welcome to the Orion Open Science Podcast. I'm Emma Harris. I'm Luisa Bengtsson. And we're broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. Okay, today we have a, um, a sensitive and difficult topic, actually. Um, yeah, we do, we do. But something that's really important to talk about. Definitely. Uh, something that's quite controversial to talk about. Often, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that you're not usually like advertising that you're doing. No, no. Uh, it's not like something that you tell at the Christmas dinner to your family, like, hey, you know what I did at work today? Yeah, absolutely. So today so, we're talking about communicating animal research to the public. Yeah. And yeah, we're a bit cautious. I think we talked about whether we actually wanted to do this episode because of the potential negative attention it might attract for us. Um, yeah, but then we also talked about how important it is to talk about animal research, uh, talk about animal research uh, for all these reasons, actually. Yeah. yeah, and I think that debate is the internal debate researchers, particularly um, maybe earlier in their career, have for themselves. Should I talk about this or am I going to get a lot of uh, criticism and abuse even? Um, especially from the, the more extremist arm of the animal rights activist movement. And it's actually quite a, uh, you know, quite a realistic concern. It's not like it has never have happened. Mm. I mean, uh, there are oh, enough no. examples yeah. um, from around the world where really bad things have happened I mean, to researchers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too into the kind of too much going on about some of the extreme things that animal rights activists have done. But... At um, the, there was an event by the European um, Animal Research Association, and the chap who runs that told a story about how in the UK there were some really terrible things done. Um, there was a place that bred guinea pigs for research, and animal rights activists basically demanded they stop, and they refused. So they dug up the dead body of the family's grandmother and held it to ransom. Really? Seriously. Uh, I, um, I mean, they, they won. They, they stopped. But it was a hollow victory because what it led to was much stricter legislation in the UK. Um, and it's now, um, it became a blackmail offence, which leads to like a 10-year prison sentence. Mm. Um, and because there's stricter legislation, scientists are now feel more uh, empowered to talk about it. And there's actually a much healthier debate. Uh, not that, you know... That was what the animal rights activists intended. But these kind of things, I think the shadow of that still hangs over researchers. Mm. And, you know, even just you don't want to get into that debate maybe with your friend. You don't want to say, yeah, actually, I do the experiments mm. on mice. And your friend to turn around, you know, and say, why would you do that, you horrible person? I was um, in research myself and actually also doing uh, research uh, with mice, um, Actually, I did talk about it with my friends. Okay. But uh, no, I mean, it's really, you know, I, I noticed basically if you talk about it in the right way, uh, mm. people do understand. I mean, because everybody has this uh, preconceptions or, you know, when you think animal research, you see this picture of this monkey with some electrodes drilled in their heads yeah. and, you know, this picture from the brain or something. Yeah, yeah, this picture from 70s, I think it is, yeah. that's circulating around, um, you know, always still. It's never gone away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, if you really tell people 
how it looks like and uh, what's actually being done. And now even like as, uh, you know, since I work in the communications department mm. here at the MDC, we also have been giving like tours politicians or other interested people and actually invited them into animal uh, facility and uh, and they like quite shocked uh, about the lack of shockingness of yes. this place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this, um, actually it was a tour of a lab that kind of fundamentally turned my mind to that the animal research is, is necessary and Justified. Also, you're opposing it. Uh, Yeah. So when I was a teenager, uh, I was an animal rights activist. Um, Full-blown, handing out leaflets on the street. Okay, but no digging up of the dead grandmothers. No, no, no. Good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what the statute of limitations is and um, whether there's an extradition treaty. There was some mild breaking and entering, but I was 15, so I don't think... (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was mainly just handing out leaflets on the street. And, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I believed it. Um, and the arguments, even back then, so it was back when I was, I was 15, so it's well over a decade and a half ago. Um, but nonetheless, they were still making this argument, or they were already making this argument, oh, well, we just need computer programs. Mm. You can do it all with computer programs. Um, the fact that the EU had out, um, you know, made illegal uh, cosmetic testing seemed to have missed them completely. Mm. Um, so they were still banging on about that. So they were oh, very, they yeah, very, very ignorant um, of that. You know, of the le- the actual legislation in place. Um, and it was it was very. Um, some of them were, you know, I guess they were carrying through. Mm. I guess with the lifestyle, so they were they were very strict vegans or whatever, you know. Um, but some of them weren't, and I kind of went, "Well, you're eating, you know, thinking now back that you're eating meat, but you're against animal research of the two. Mm. Um, but anyway, so they were they these were the kind of arguments they were making, um, and I kind of I, I I didn't follow through the the animal rights activism once I went to university, but I still kind of held those beliefs that it was wrong um, and that you shouldn't do animal testing until um, actually I became the ethics manager on the Human Brain Project and I had to deal with the ethics, um, you know, uh, requests for animal research. Um, And then I did a bit of research of my own and kind of, okay, so what, what does actually go on? And, of course, I became very well informed from doing the job. And towards the end of that job, the ethics manager job, we went to Karolinska University in Sweden. Why am I telling you it's in Sweden, you're Swedish? Um, <laughs> for, our, for our listeners. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> in case there's someone out there who does not no, know Karolinska. No, no, the Nobel Prize is kept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, we went to Karolinska for a conference and they gave us a tour of the labs. And I just, you know, I thought, oh, if I'm going to do this, I should, I should see the reality. I shouldn't mm. stick my head in the sand. And yeah, it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what the videos make it look like. It wasn't this horror story of squealing animals, you know, being tortured Mm. left, right and centre. They're clean. The animals are kept in as good a condition as people keep pet rats in their their homes. And no blood-stained lab coats and the researcher, like, going there. (laughs) No, 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 no. The most uncomfortable 
moment was when they had a mixed group of us and they said, right, so you'll all have to strip naked and go through a cleaning thing. We kind of looked at each other and went, that's very Swedish, isn't it? <laughs> they did separate us. Okay. But, yeah, um, so, I mean, I've kind of done a full 180, you know, mm. um, from being, you know, like I say, handing out flyers on the street to mm. fully kind of advocating that while, I mean, I still I still feel conflicted. Mm. I don't feel happy about it, but I think it's necessary for to progress human knowledge. Mm. I don't see an alternative. Rationally, I can't find an argument that we could get away with not doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, you know, because when I started um, when I started doing research, so my PhD thesis did not involve any animal experiments whatsoever, and I was actually quite well satisfied and happy with that because, like, oh no, that's not something I want to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then um, also several years, I was basically uh, well, not really actively avoiding, but just the research questions I was pursuing did not require animal experimentation on my side. So, and this is something that sort of dawned on me at some point is like, okay, so I'm doing research. I'm like, oh, I, I'm not doing animal research. I'm not doing anything, you know, with my hands. But actually I was totally doing it because the global community of research, I mean, we're all in it, right? So mm-hmm. whether we do research on cell culture, monkeys or, uh, you know, dogs or uh, mice, I mean, basically we all profit from each other's results. So right. it's not like, you know, you can say like, oh, well, my hands are clean. not clean. Yeah. I haven't dirtied myself with animal research. But then anyways, the, the point arrived when I when I switched my research focus and um, my research question was basically based on an animal model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was faced with like, okay, well, if I want to work on this project um, to answer these questions, it was about a uh, function of chloride channels. Um, important for well, basically we cannot function without chloride channels um, and um, to solve this question I really had to uh, well work with mice mm-hmm. meaning also kill mice um, the experiments I did was were mainly uh, well basically killing the mouse and looking how it looks like inside mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, through different uh, uh, immunohistochemistry um, immunohistochemistry methods and microscopy and yeah but uh, so I was mainly dealing with dead animals but they still had to be killed and I was breeding them to be killed basically yeah and uh, I still remember this first moment I mean I, we, we all required to take a course on how to kill the mouse in mm. the most uh, well, least suffering way mm. humane, um, humane yeah. yeah most humane way um, but the first time I was there after this course and was about to like you know I, I had to kill this mouse I mean I was really like I cannot do it I cannot do it I just cannot do it and had to ask a technician for help and at some point you know as I got more accustomed to dealing with animals uh, I could do it myself too um, still never enjoyed it in any way um, but then something also happened in me because re- I realized that I never really thought about it, like really from an ethical standpoint. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm I'm into this for because I want to answer this research question. I never had any doubt in my mind that this is necessary and sort of necessary evil or has to be done. But I haven't really thought about like, okay, but what what do I actually think like really and like what is my ethical standpoint to actually mm. animal animal research mm. and doing uh, using animals for um, for research. 
And first, when I finally like went into myself and started reading about it and see like, okay, what different standpoints are they out there? Mm-hmm. And there is like a whole spectrum of different ways how you can position yourself to animal research or like uh, to animals, using animals for human needs whatsoever. Yeah. Um, first, when I got it clear, so it out for me, like, okay, that's where I stand and that's that's my position. Then it became bearable and uh, acceptable to uh, for me to like you know not look at these animals in the lab as like oh you know I cannot do it I cannot do it mm, yeah. oh, I have to do it I have to do it but like okay this is the thing uh, this is what I'm doing and it has a purpose and I'm doing it. Yeah. Of course, in the end, I mean, it was basic research. So in the end, you could say, oh, there's no medicine that came out of this directly. Uh, there was no uh, application. Um, yeah. And actually, the project, in, in the end, it actually failed. I mean, at least in my hands, it was continued later by others. And um, there are some results out of this. But there's nothing uh, nothing like substantial, dramatic. dramatic uh, yeah. You didn't um, cure. Yeah. No, I didn't cure anything. I yeah, probably, no. with that approach, I probably... I wouldn't have cured anything, but I also didn't know until I have done it, you know? And that's, well, that's, that's how science a, works. That's how science works. So it's also very difficult to predict. I mean, you can sort of, you can do all these predictions, but these are only based on what you already know. So if you want to find out something that you don't know, well, how do you predict? I mean, it, it's a, yeah, yeah no, common I mean, conundrum. Yeah, yeah, cool. But basically for me, it was really, um, I didn't enjoy it. I wish I could have not done this work with animals on the other hand I'm also proud of myself that I did it and I that way also learned something yeah and um and I hope I mean I hope that I hope that is uh something that I can also use to you know help others yeah um and um yeah I think this is really important just really think thoroughly why you're doing what you're doing yeah I mean regardless what it is actually yeah I mean if you're doing anything of this meaningfulness mm. science you should be thinking about why it is you're doing mm. that i think i think we should all try and live a, a self-reflective life anyway yeah. but you know that's <laughs> yeah. a, maybe a bigger <laughs> philosophical question okay next episode next yeah episode. yeah yeah next episode yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean there was a couple of things that were said during this this very interesting ethics conference mm-hmm. that i was attending and one of them was unless a couple of sociopaths slip or psychopaths slip through the net, which is unlikely. No scientist wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, good, I get to kill animals. Oh, or, you know, uh, no, everybody does it with regret and everybody does it with, um, you know, it's a necessary evil. Mm. And that's how I would describe it. Nobody wants to hurt the animals. Mm. Um, these are usually intelligent, sensitive people mm. who are trying to make the world a better place. Um, it's very hard work to be a scientist and to, to achieve that level of, of, you know, knowledge. And why would you do that just to kind of hurt animals? You could do that anyway in your spare time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, but this, there, there is this stereotype and there is yeah. this implicit idea that scientists somehow just kind of do these experiments for kind of their own amusement or something, you know? Yeah, there's also this argument for profit. I mean, we had this thing here uh, at the MDC for a couple years ago. We we were a target of some animal rights activists and we had the... We had a go at a dialogue with the animal rights activist. It went actually quite well. Except, of course, there was one person just shouting in the front, murderers, murderers. But, but they were helpful. very helpful, yes. But um, 
there were others who actually were willing to talk and um and it was really interesting. And yeah, one of the arguments was like, yeah, but you guys just do it for profit. And every, it was like silence in the room. There were like, I don't know, like 50 to 70 scientists mm-hmm. present. And they all went like really looking at you like, eh? Uh, and then um, like, but you do realize this is a publicly funded yeah. research institute for basic research. We don't produce anything. We don't sell anything. Yeah, yeah, not now, later. Like, okay. Uh, well, I guess you could argue that maybe a pharmaceutical company is doing uh, animal research for profit as if you include basically that, well, producing pharmaceutical mm-hmm. is for profit, which it is. Yeah, sure. So then animal testing is actually required to, yeah. to you know, to so sell a product. So, yeah, it is for profit. Yeah. You could do this stretch of sort of yeah. causality, I guess. But really, I mean, what profit? Actually, every group that has to deal with animal research, it's so expensive. It's really the most, the, the largest part of the budget goes to the animal yeah. experiments because it's so, diff- it's so expensive to keep the animals, just provide housing and these controlled conditions. There are people looking after the mice like around the clock. They are yeah. on watch. They have like several... Personnel is like always yeah. there. It costs money. It's really, it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like the argument for profit is just simply ridiculous and not true. Yeah, and I mean, we we live in a capitalist system. Everything is for profit. Not, I mean, not yeah. not like actually, the MDC and other institutions like it are the very few exceptions to that. That they are actually funded by society for society. Yeah, but. Everything else, like the pharmaceutical companies, yeah, there are big problems with the pharmaceutical companies, but, you know, it's built on the same system that everything else around you is built on. So it's a bit insincere to say, oh, well, they're doing it for profit. Well, so's everybody else. The oil companies, the, you know, the food companies. They're like private companies, and that's what private companies do profit yeah. i mean yeah i mean there are uh, there are people working you know open farmer ideas you know open science applied to pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. they're trying to look for an alternative to that model and i think that's great yeah. but it's not there yet and we have to live within the system that we yeah we are given so we have the, the personal sort of sadistic yeah. uh, living out sadistic uh, inclinations yeah the second one is the for profit and the third one Third one, I think, is the for fame thing. So yeah. you get famous by doing animal experiments. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you name one scientist that's famous for doing animal experiments. <laughs> I mean, maybe famous for curing something or finding something yeah. or discovering something. But no, I couldn't tell you any that are famous for doing animal experiments. No, nothing. Oh, Pavlov. So- um, yeah, so apart from Pavlov, I can't think off the top of my head someone who's famous for an animal experiment yeah so the other argument i remember quite clearly from when i was part of it was uh that it doesn't work Mm. that animals and humans are too different for it to be um worth anything so it's all a waste Mm. and they always use the example the most dramatic example of this is thalidomide (laughs) Yeah, I think it was sold as Contagan in Germany. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it was the one where they gave this to pregnant women and then the babies were born with missing limbs, um, which was and devastating, obviously. It was a terrible, terrible thing. 
And there was lots of complicating factors to that. Well, you know, but this story is actually quite interesting because it's uh, it's a very good story for that there was not enough animal testing done, actually. Right, okay. Because they never tested on pregnant rats. Uh, and that's the... <laughs> That would have been like, so if you're giving this drug to a pregnant woman, uh, you should have tested on pregnant rats. And then you would actually have seen the effects. There are several other issues with this drug as far as remember, because basically the science back then was just not far enough to know that there are two different um, isomers of this, um, like um, yeah. enantiomers of the drug. So it has, it just basically has a different uh um, well, you scientists out there, you know what I mean. Uh, so it's, it's two different versions of the same molecule, basically, but one is right and the other is left, basically. Okay. And it's only one that's active and the yeah. other one is the one giving the problems. Right. But, but then people just didn't know that this exists into these two different forms, so they were not... Basically, it was a mixture. Okay. So nice. there are several things with this drug that just basically... But this would have been picked up by more animal testing, actually. Mm. But also, we're talking about 60s. And we also have advanced in, like, what we, you know, looking for. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a very good example of, like, yeah, I mean, people say, like, yeah, so see, that doesn't, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, and, well, didn't work. Yeah. Didn't work. So, therefore, nothing else works. Well, hell no. I mean, there are so many other things just, yeah. like, don't work, you know, or didn't work back then, but work now. Or, you know, you just have to repeat a couple more times or you have to look from different angle and they work. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, yeah, you said, like, the animals and humans are so different. Yeah. Yeah, on the other hand, I mean, we also talked with one of the researchers here, yeah. and he was like, yeah, they always say like, well, but animals have the same feeling and feel the same pain as the humans, mm-hmm. and they're so similar to humans in all their, like, uh, you know, response to everything and to pain and, yeah. you know, emotions and everything. So, like, well, decide, I mean. Are they too similar or are they too different? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, and the other, I mean, major thing uh, that, that ethics conference brought out for me, it was quite a, a turning point for me, um, was there was this guy and he said, okay, hands up, how many of you are vegetarians? But yeah, so about half the room put their hands up. And then he said, okay, how many of you would be willing to have a tooth taken out without an aesthetic? Nobody. Oh. <laughs> uh, nobody. You know, but anesthetics, all anesthetics are tested on oh, yeah. animals. And animals die because they have to test how much will... You know, it'd be too much, essentially. Oh, everything. I mean, really. Everything from paracetamol to... Yeah. yeah, also, like, you know, if you break your leg, I mean, you go to a doctor or you break anything, you go to a doctor and, they, you know, they fix you, mm. like, different ways, you know, put some screws in here mm. if it's more complicated or some there or some kind of, uh, I don't know, skeleton, whatever, you know, or they just give you a certain, like, the way they put you back together, you know, it's not random, it's... Yeah. It's done on sheep. I mean, basically, yeah. sheep get their legs broken, or leg, any limbs, whatever, and and doctors practice, you know, new techniques how to make it whole again, you know, yeah. and how horrible it is. It's, uh, you know, when you break a leg, I mean, you're quite happy that there is someone who knows what to do with it, right? I mean, Yeah, and I mean, so, okay, you say, even if someone was mad enough to say, yeah, I'll have my tooth taken out with anesthetic. Oh, and you let your child have that happen to them? Or your your, your mother or whatever? You you know, you, you really think that we can function without these modern medicine? Mm. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's a, 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 a kind of a, a section of the population who maybe believes in kind of alternatives and doesn't believe in big medicine or 
whatever mainstream medicine and is also vegan and is also and I guess at least they're committing to that but most people I think who say this stuff about animal research are essentially hypocrites because then when they need medicine they have a headache they take an aspirin or they have a tooth out they take anesthetic oh but this argument I've already heard as well so basically uh, so if you have a headache you take an aspirin but that's okay because the animals already died for it so you don't have to research any farther Okay, so what about all the people with diseases we haven't found a cure for? They're just stuffed, are they? Well, <laughs> I guess if they only just eat right and exercise. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's not yeah. go in there, but... Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind... I don't know. It's it's a difficult topic still because, you know, you can, you can have it like in this rational discussion, kind of. Okay, so... Well, we use mice as disease models because, and there are all these like scientific, yeah. really good reasons for doing this. Um, on the other hand, of course, we also, you know, constructing something, you know, it's, yeah. it's really, um, there's still a person behind it, whatever, yes. you know, whatever we're doing. So, um, yeah, it's hard to put it, you know, like in a, I find it personally hard to put it like as a, as a contrast, like, you know, this thing of like, well, if you don't, if you eat meat, then you should be for animal experiments. I think it's okay mm-hmm. to have like a very, you know, differentiated. Yeah, people are yeah, complicated. Op- yeah, no, it's actually, you know, because there are different ways you can say, okay, well, uh, my sort of, my threshold is here, but not farther, you know, and there yeah, are like sure. different, you know. But I just wonder whether these positions are really like, you know, reflected and justified. And I think it's really important to talk about it. Like, so why? Why is yeah. animal experimentation not okay, but um, eating meat is okay, yeah. for example? You know? Yeah, and I mean, for, for me, it's emotionally, I hate it. I really, I hate it. I love animals. I won't even kill a wasp. I will chase it out the window. That's how much of a wimp I am about hurting animals or anything like that. I am seriously, you know, um, but so emotionally I'm, I'm right there. I, I totally understand where these people are coming from. And I, I hate the idea of animals suffering in any way or being killed, but rationally I cannot make a good argument why we should stop doing this animal research until we reach a time where there is a, 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 a safe and reliable alternative. And I cannot, I cannot make that argument rationally. Mm. And if I can't justify it to myself rationally and logically, then my emotions are just that, they're emotions. And that's kind of where I am. Yeah. Um, and I, I, really, I really feel sorry for scientists who probably have these feelings of, of conflict, of yeah, am I doing the right thing? You know, um, is it okay that I have a pet dog who I lavish with attention and come in and do experiments on rabbits or whatever? Is 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 that does that make me a, a terrible person? But they can't talk about these things, or they feel they can't talk mm. about these things for risk of being trolled on Twitter or having, you know, condemnation heaped upon them. Mm. And I guess that's what why I feel this episode is important. Because if one scientist feels Maybe they can talk about this a bit more. Then that's good, right? Yeah, and I mean this this conference that took place at the MDC. Um, it was a, it was all about this. I mean, it was really to bring together scientists and yeah. people from other um, domains <laughs> to just really talk about it. Like, okay, so how do we communicate about animal yeah. research? What's the, you know, um, 
the best way forward, basically. And yeah. I think the consensus was... Uh, <clears throat> uh, be honest. Yeah. Um, talk about... Talk about the fact that you feel conflicted sometimes. Talk about the process. Um, talk about why you feel animal research is justified and important. Um, that was that was kind of the, the the overriding message. And and don't I think the 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 most important message for me was not to leave the middle ground open. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you have extremists making videos and saying these very emotive things, and on the other hand, maybe you have kind of ethics and guidelines and quite cold, you know, stuff. And But the middle ground is the public who maybe don't really understand what goes on in labs all the time, because why would they? I mean, I was ignorant and I'd worked in a university. Um, so, you know, um, because I worked for an institution that didn't wasn't open. Hmm. So even the people working there didn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was ignorant. And I, as someone who worked in, in research support for several years, so why would people be aware? And those are the people that we need to reach because on the one hand, the animal rights activists are making these very powerful, attractive, dramatic arguments, um, but the scientists aren't answering and they need to answer. I think that was yeah. the key thing. Yeah, I think it's not so... I mean, I also think it's important to really... Um, yeah, to have this middle ground yeah. like taken, <laughs> like yeah. you know, uh, put the flag post there somehow. Because it's, um, you know, on one hand, you would say, okay, so if some animal rights activists are making noise, okay, so they're, like, trolling on Twitter. I mean, so what? Okay, you know, people troll everybody for everything, basically. Um, But actually, no, it has consequences. So um, for some reason, uh, like, well, some reason, that's the society we live in, the loudest that I heard once. Mm -hmm. And there are new policies and regulations that limit animal research um, in place. Uh, which really make basic research uh, more and more difficult. And it's not just a matter of like, you know, again, it's not for because that now the scientists cannot come to the lab and say, oh, which mouse do I kill today? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, you, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not about that. It's basically now it's really difficult to do research, like yeah. per se, you know, and uh, that's not cool. That's not good at all. What happens in America quite often with... Um Shall we say the most famous animal rights organization in America um, is that they will uh, pay um, like a lab assistant Mm. or they'll get a job there themselves. And then, of course, everybody's doing everything by the rules and there's nothing dramatic happening. And they've taken this money so they will stage like some dramatic Mm. scene of, of cruelty to animals so that they feel that they can either get their money or justify the money. And it's actually, it's not the scientists doing this. Why would they? You've done all this ethical stuff. It's taken you ages. You're being paid. Why would you, you know, you've got limited time on your scientific project. Why would you waste time being cruel? It doesn't make sense just from a a time burden perspective. It scientifically doesn't make sense as well. I mean, like, why would you torture an animal? Like, what what, what, what are you expecting? Also, like, you know, like, you want to have comparison. Like, I mean, also, you never do, like, experiment with one mouse. So you would have to, like, torture them in the same way continuously, like, you know. And it's so ridiculous. It's really just, I don't know, it's mind. One industry that really is cruel is the fur trade. Um, I mean, that is even more than the meat industry, which is also pretty inhumane, um, especially in some parts of the world. But the fur industry is just 
wall-to-wall -wall cruelty. It is horrible. So if you want to oppose some, you know, mistreatment of animals, that's a good place to start. Or deforestation, um, which is hurting the planet and it's hurting animals. Um, so for your own selfish reasons, we should all oppose that, if nothing else. Um, so there's, anyway, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways that we can help animals and progress animal rights without limiting the progress of human science and knowledge. Okay, so uh, that were our personal thoughts and opinions on the topic. It was kind of fun and uh, difficult at the same time to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. It's not something you, you talk about kind of in the public domain that much, maybe with friends, but not recorded. Yeah. Um, so listeners, be kind, but please do get in touch with us. What yeah. do you think? Um do you agree with us or not? Um, yeah, uh, tweet us, OOSP underscore Orion Pod, the Orion Open Science Podcast. Um, we'll be oh, there. And this concludes our first part of the animal research episode, Openness in Animal Research Communication. Um, part um, two, coming soon. Indeed, yeah. Part two is next time. And um, it's for that, we're going to be bringing you some excerpts and some talking points uh, from an event that was held at the MDC um, in July last year. And at this, the event was called Improving Openness in Animal Research in Germany, and there were some really uh, interesting speakers there. So uh, do tune in. Um, experts will be giving their opinions and thoughts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, July 2018, you might see, you might think this is a long time ago and... Yeah, old news, but actually the topic never gets out of date. No, no. I mean, the problems and the, indeed the solutions that the speakers raise, I think, are, are very much, if not more, relevant today than they were um, a few months ago. So hope we got you hooked, interested. Uh, tune in next time for the Orion Open Science Podcast. Yes. Um, we're, uh, the podcast is available wherever you normally get your podcast from all the major uh, platforms. The music is brought to you by Fabio de Miguel and the sound editing is done by Paula Oliveira. Indeed. Uh, thanks for joining us. And see you next time. Listen to. Well, listen, yes. <laughs> listen okay. to us next time. <laughs> listen to us next time. Bye. Ciao.